1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: AstroLine. 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 Carbock Brewing Company presents Sports Talk 790 AstroLine. AstroLine. The official preseason show of Astros Baseball. World Series champions! This is where we talk about your champs. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag AstroLine. See you later! Go Astros! We're Championship City. Live from Duffy Sports Bar in West Palm Beach, Florida. Sports Talk 790 AstroLine starts now. You're listening... You're listening to Astro Line, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, live from Duffy Sports Grill, downtown West Palm Beach on Clematis Street. And we have a great audience here tonight. For Astro's general manager, Jeff Luno, I'm Bill Brown, encouraging you, our live audience and radio listeners, to be social and use the hashtag Astro Line if you have a question or comment. for Jeff Luno, and we have plenty
1: to talk about. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. You know, two weeks from tonight, We'll be heading to Arlington, Texas, getting ready for opening day.
0: I know the Astros usually open at home, but yeah. this will be a very interesting first week of the season,
1: right? Well, at least we don't have to travel up to cold weather regions. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to play the Rangers four games right out of the gate. And then, you know, we got a lot planned when we get back home to play the Orioles for a home opener. So uh, it's going to be an exciting, exciting next month in Houston.
0: Such a different way to open the season as world champions. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It
0: was, it was it was awesome. I know we continue to celebrate, but that's okay. And the players aren't really doing that. They're playing hard in spring training.
1: They are. One of the messages that A.J. and I stressed from day one is this is not a victory lap this year. This is an opportunity to do something that hasn't been done in almost 20 years and uh, a team possibly win back-to-back. And we certainly have the talent to do it. Uh, we've obviously got to go out and start playing the games, but we've got to stay focused right out of the gate. Uh, The last five World Series champions, four of them failed to make the playoffs next year, and the Cubs last year got off to an average start. They were about 500 halfway through the season. So we want to avoid that. We want to stay focused, and I think we will. And so far the energy in camp has been really, really positive. It has, very high-energy club. Uh, Today,
0: Justin Verlander pitched, and he will be going, as you said, in that uh, opener against the Texas Rangers. What have you thought of him this spring?
1: Well, he's been dynamic, he's been, his stuff is electric, he's been uh, trying new things, and I think uh, you know, he's already in, ready for the season to start. So uh, he'll be starting that opener, couldn't have a better guy to do that. To think that we only had him for a month last year, the impact he had and in the postseason, and we're going to be able to have him the whole way through the season this year, is uh, just a tremendous addition, not only what he does when he's out there every five days, but what he does when he's not out there with the rest of the team. Garrett Cole had a good outing yesterday against the Mets, and he
0: was the big guy you traded for in the offseason. He also has had a very
1: fine, exemplary-type spring so far. What have you thought? He has. I, I love watching him. You know, He came in and immediately started talking to our pitching coaches and everybody in the front office and asking what our opinion was of what happened to him last year, what his stuff looks like, what could he do better. And he really soaked it all up, and he's been out there trying a couple different things, and... I can't wait to see him and, and watch what he can do this year. This is this is a team that has five guys in the rotation. You could argue six that would be a number one or a number two on some other teams around baseball. Because even Brad Peacock, you look at him. You look at Charlie Morton. Uh, you know, obviously, you got the, the big three at the top, and then and then McCullers. Those are that's a lot of horsepower for our starting rotation. And that's you know we're obviously going to live or die with our rotation, but right now it's looking pretty good. It's very
0: difficult to construct a trade for a number one starting pitcher, which Cole was with Pittsburgh. And and so nice to get it done early in the year, the way you did a year ago with those
1: acquisitions, uh, Brian McCann and the new guys, Reddick and those guys who came in. Yeah, it is. To trade for a number one starter, usually you're going to give up three or four of your top ten prospects. And we saw that last year with Verlander, and that, quite frankly, we did it again with Cole. But to acquire two number ones, to add to what you already have as a number one Cy Young Award winner, um, that means this is, you know, this is the strength of our team. And we already know we had a prolific offense last year, historic offense last year. And now uh, we have a rotation that has a chance to be really, really special this year.
0: It's been a rather turbulent off-season around Major League Baseball, but very placid in the Astros
1: camp. Yeah. Uh, kind of a different year to analyze, isn't it? It is. It's so different than the years when uh, some of the fans that I'm looking at right now were around. Uh, we're doing Astro Line and Disney up in Orlando. and. Uh, We were every every spot was up for grabs, basically. And, you know, Keiko was trying to make the team. Springer was still in the minors. You know, Jonathan VR was fighting for a spot. Uh, But this year, really, we have a couple of decisions to make. And they're important decisions. But really, the core 80, 80 to 85 percent of the team has been predetermined since before we got here. So it's just a matter of the guys getting ready, feeling healthy and and gelling together as a team, which they've been doing. They certainly have.
0: They came into today with the best winning percentage of any spring training team, and and that could probably be overdone. But as you look at things, it's probably not so much about the wins and losses, but the style of play. the degree of concentration, and, and
1: you like all that, correct? No question. We look at what's going on defensively, base running. I don't know if our fans have noticed. I know you have been calling it on the radio. We've had times where we have four outfielders. We have times where we have four infielders on the right side of the infield. So it gives A.J. and the coaching staff an opportunity to try a few new things that we may or may not do during the season. Uh, we'll Stay tuned. We'll find out. Uh, but everybody's getting ready, and that we're playing crisp baseball. You know, I was in spring training, you, you, you figure out who wins the first half of the game, because that's where the veterans are playing, and who wins the second half, and that's where the prospects are playing. And, you know, back in 13, 14, we used to win the second half all the time, but we'd get crushed in the first half, and, you know, now we're winning the first half, and quite frankly, our guys are holding their own in the second half as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, of course, you know, you
0: talked about the deals that you made, the Verlander deal, the Cole deal, so you have had to give up prospects in those trades, but... It sure looks like these guys that you still have in the organization are
1: going to be strong for this season. The biggest, the most important thing for us was we built enough depth in the, in the minor league system and in, through the farm system that we could afford to make some big trades. And whether it's the Ken Giles trade a few years back or the two trades that we made recently, we gave up a ton of talent. You could field an entire major league team. With the talent that we've given up that are playing on other teams, whether it's Domingo Santana and Brett Phillips and Vince Velasquez, and the, the list goes on, uh, but we still have Kyle Tucker, we, we still have uh, Jordan Alvarez, uh, we still have a lot of uh, healthy pitching. Um, so we're excited. This this is still a top-half system with players that are going to be impact players for us in the next few years. And as our players reach for agency, we're going to need to replace them with somebody. And if we have options internally, we can either use them to trade or, or bring them up and let them play. So that's a good place for us to be. Now, Tucker, or
0: Ted, we could call him, has been leading the club in homers, runs batted in, ranking high in the league.
1: Also in those departments, he's got a beautiful swing. Yeah. What have you thought? Oh, I I, I I love watching him. Our fans love watching him. Uh, he is going to be an incredibly special player. Uh, this is his first time invited to big league camp. He got a chance to play a little bit last year. Uh, as A.J. said from the beginning, he's not going to start the year with the ball club. But there's all bets are off after that because if he, uh, whether he goes to Corpus or to Fresno and gets off to a hot start and, and we have a need, uh, or even if we don't, I think he's going to push himself onto the roster at some point. So this is a player we expect to be a cornerstone player for us for a while, and I love the fact that he's having a big spring, his first real opportunity to, to show everybody what he can do. If he would have a to-do list, in your opinion, uh, would it be maybe improved defensive play, or are you fine with that? Well, I like the way he plays defense. He made some really nice uh, catches the other day when he was playing right field. His arm seems really good. Um, I think it's just a matter of being able to play – All three positions because he's played a lot of center field in minor leagues. But when he comes up, you know, we've got Springer, we've got Marisnick. He's probably not going to play center field. So uh, I think being able to uh, read the ball off the bat and left and right and uh, be a good, solid defensive player because we know his bat is going to be his carrying tool. You know, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, but
0: (laughs) the four outfielders, and we've seen I, I think yesterday they were just interchanging the outfielders like crazy So we're looking at all this versatility. We see Bregman playing second base today. We've seen J.D. Davis move to first, of course, and and Tyler White's played second. All these things, it just seems as if all the possibilities are going to be exhausted by the end of spring training, and that's the plan, right?
1: That's the plan, and A.J. will figure out with his staff uh, what makes sense for us to roll out during the season. We're not experimenting just for the sake of experimenting. We're doing things that we think are going to help us with our division, and we've got a lot of – Pull hitters in our division. We have a lot of good hitters in our division, spray hitters, etc. So AJ's got something in mind with each one of those uh, those configurations. And you know, these days there is no standard position for anybody with third base, shortstop, center field, etc. Uh, they're they're moving based off of the matchup that's that's out there and based off of the history of where these guys hit the ball. So. Um, All all bets are off, and it's going to be fun to watch. And we're not the only team doing this. I know that uh, a lot of other teams are experimenting with this type of stuff. And
0: the Astros have have been at the forefront of shifting, but I think uh, shifted fewer times last year than the year before,
1: right? We did. Um, and, And really, to me, the word shifting is a little misleading because it kind of suggests you're either in a shift or out of the shift, and it's binary. To me, it's not. It's about placing the infielders. In the spot where they're most likely to make a play, and placing the outfielders in the spot where they're most likely to make a play, and potentially interchanging the infielders and the outfielders, like we've seen done recently. So, um, to me, it's about how you align your defense, just like you would in football. Where do you put your, you know, your cornerbacks and your linemen to make sure that you uh, keep that def- that that offense from going too far? When you look at the success of a Charlie Morton last year, and the other
0: pitchers, and Cole could be one who could benefit from the defensive moves that you're talking about, too. Do you get comments from these pitchers about, hey, I really like the way you position guys
1: when I'm pitching, that kind of thing? I think what we strive for is that they don't glare into the dugout when there's a hit (laughs) through the hole where there used to be a shortstop because that's what happened in the old days. Yes, yes. Uh, So as long as there's no negatives, then we consider that a positive. But I think – Over time, I mean, the the guys that really probably appreciate it the most are guys like Dallas Keuchel, who are ground ball machines and who were here when we didn't shift and have had the initial negative reaction and then watched uh, his ERA go down as a result of Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa always seeming to be in the right place when the ground ball's hit up the middle. Exactly. Good point. Yeah, we had a pitcher, I
0: remember, and he will go nameless here, but he would do that. He'd get a ground ball shortstop, and shortstop wouldn't be there, and he'd glare. But um, you got to make your pitch, too. The, the pitcher has to do his part
1: and hit that no spot. No doubt. And and the infielders also, you know, there's there's a guide as to where we think they should be. But they do adjust uh, based off of their own instincts. So if they see a guy swinging a little late, they'll move over. And um, these guys are pretty smart. They know where they need to be.
0: Jeff Lunar, our guest, and we'll take a break right now and be back. But first of all, we want you to stay tuned for more on AstroLine. It's presented by Carbox Brewing Company right after these messages. <laughs> on AstroLine. Welcome back, everybody. Astro Spring Training is now in full motion. Catch all the excitement at the 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches as the Astros prepare for the 2018 season. For tickets and more information, visit astros.com slash spring training. Astros General Manager Jeff Luno is our guest, and it has been a very eventful winter. Yeah. Glad to have you guys with us here at Duffy's tonight. Including a trip to the White House a few days ago. What was your uh, feeling about touring and meeting people and the whole experience of the White House trip,
1: Jeb? It was an incredible experience. I fortunately have been able to go to the White House a couple times on tours and even some special tours. But there's nothing that matches what we were able to do on Monday. We had to get up really early because it was a 6 o'clock departure from the ballpark. Uh, Got on a plane, flew up there. Um, went to the White House. We we're, we're greeted Andrew Giuliani's son. Uh, I mean, Andrew Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani's son was our host. Uh, he took us through the East Wing. We were able to walk around all the different rooms. By the way, a lot of security get in the White House, as you would imagine. <laughs> um, we were able to take pictures with all the great paintings of the former presidents and all the, just all the really amazing things that you can see there. And then uh, we, I was one of the fortunate people that were able to go into the Oval Office uh, the players and myself and A.J. and Jim, uh, and we were able to spend about 20 minutes with the president, taking pictures, talking, answering questions, and then the presentation, which most people saw. But it really was an incredible honor to go and to experience that, uh, to meet the president, to meet everybody else that was around there, and really to recognize the Astros. that Ted Cruz was there. There were a lot of other politicians there, uh, notable people from the state of Texas. And, of course, we recognized the um, the, the people that were involved in the rescue efforts of Harvey. Uh, Mattress Mac was there. It was good to see him. So all in all, just an amazing experience, one that I really cherished. And like I said before I left there, uh, it's, it made me want to go back as soon as possible. So hopefully uh, that'll, that can be arranged.
0: So you're not satisfied. Yeah, that, that's, that's out there. That carrot is still dangling for a return trip. But, you know, that, that also takes us to the point of what this team has done, uh, representing the city of Houston through everything that's happened in the last few months. That is a responsibility
1: that this team has embraced. Yeah, and there's no question a big theme throughout the postseason and ever since we won is about the healing that the Astros provided to a certain extent for people that were really reeling from the devastation of Harvey. And, you know, that's forever part of our history now. It's forever part of our first championship, and I'm so glad our first championship came at a time when the city needed the team the most, and, you know, 56 years to get here. Hopefully, it'll be a lot shorter time for the second one, but uh, what an appropriate time for that.
0: Jeff Luno, our guest, we have questions from our audience here. Donna Hopkins, uh, by the way, Jimmy, her husband, is celebrating his birthday tonight. Yeah, happy birthday, Jimmy. Donna wants to know, what is the possibility
1: of Jose Altuve spending his entire career as a Houston Astro? That's a great question. I will tell you that uh, Jim Crane, myself, the entire organization, we would love nothing more than to make Jose an Astro for life. Uh, We've seen the impact, uh, having Craig Biggio, having Jeff Bagwell, that having a player from the beginning of their career to the end, can make on on the franchise on the city, and, and quite frankly, if you know after our two Hall of Famers got in, you know we're all crossing our fingers that, that Billy Wagner gets a chance down the road and uh, maybe uh, maybe somebody else. But really, Jose Altuve is our next great hope for making the Hall of Fame. But we got to keep him in town. So trust me, we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to work on it. And what a what a great player. Joe F
0: asks, what are your priorities
1: for re-signing talent? In the next two to three years. Well, you talk about the player we just discussed, and that has to be priority number one. This is a player that came up through our system and has been with us uh, through the lean years and and now an MVP in the league and still young and dynamic. So, you know, that's always going to be a a top priority for us. But you look at the rest of our roster, Carlos Correa, George Springer, Dallas Keuchel, Lance McCullers, Alex Bregman, We'd like to sign them all. We'd like to keep them all around forever. We know it's not going to be possible, uh, so we're going to have to work with the players. And quite frankly, when it comes to uh, extending core players like that, um, there has to be a mutual interest on both sides. And we're not going to um, say anything uh, negative about a player who wants to go test free agency because it's their right and they've earned it and if it it gets to that point. But I I think a lot of our players do want to stick around, so it's going to make it uh, interesting for us to see what happens.
0: Yeah, and and choices are difficult, as you indicated. Uh, The market has just come into focus so much this winter, and now the priority is signing these young players uh, who may become arbitration eligible or may already be arbitration eligible. Uh, The older players are regarded a little bit in a different light right now. But uh, it just seems like things have changed at warp speed. But I know you've seen
1: this developing, right? We've sensed that this was coming and that teams were no longer going to be as aggressive pursuing veterans in their 30s to long-term contracts that are, where they're spending a lot of money because, quite frankly, you look at the history of those contracts, and a lot of teams have gotten burned. And once you're, you know, have someone in their mid to late 30s who's declining rapidly and you're paying them uh, a large percentage of your payroll, yeah, it really limits your flexibility and, and how quickly you can get back to relevance. And we've seen that with several teams. So uh, we certainly don't want to end up in that position. And I think other clubs are realizing that there's ways to avoid that. Uh, but maybe this year's the year where the veterans were bargains. You look at some of the deals that were done in the past couple weeks. There's some really good players, you know, Lance Lynn, Jake Arrieta, Mike Mustakas, etc., that uh, signed for a fraction of what their market value would have been a few years ago. And And so maybe teams will be attracted to that going forward, and that will drive those prices back up. Do you think the way the marketplace
0: has adjusted with the uh, buyouts, we'll say, on contracts after two, three years
1: instead of the six-, seven-, eight-year deal is the way of the future now? Well, it's interesting. We're not a big fan of the uh, opt-outs because essentially it limits the club's uh, benefit substantially on the upside, and it provides a lot of downside protection for the player. So we've never done one, and I don't anticipate doing one anytime soon. But it does seem like a lot of teams have gone down that path, and I think it's a real nice benefit for the players, not necessarily a benefit for the clubs. So we're going to try and stay away from it. When you talk
0: about a young player who's 25, 26 years old and going out, you know, are, are you finding that you need to go out six years or more on the curve? Is that whole situation changing?
1: Well, I think it depends. Uh, If you're talking pitchers and and position players, there's a lot of work that all clubs have done on trying to understand what skills can be maintained into, you know, your early 30s, mid-30s, late 30s. And it really depends on the profile of, of, of player. You know, a guy like Jose who depends on speed and contact and, uh, his overall defensive abilities. I mean, he's a guy that I think it could be very productive into his mid, mid and late 30s, kind of like a you know Tony Gwynn or Wade Boggs, because he's got such an elite contact ability. And some guys, whereas you know you look at some sluggers and they you know they might decline a little bit earlier, maybe in their early 30s or, or mid 30s. Um, you think about guys like Frank Thomas who just sort of kind of fell off a cliff after a couple of years. Um, and so there's a there's a lot of Different theories about that, but I think teams are certainly looking at that before they extend uh, players' long-term deals. And with pitchers, it's it's even more uh, harrowing because the possibility of injury or stuff declining, and you know you, you're, you're lucky if you get a Greg Maddox or, or Nolan Ryan, but not you know a lot of these guys uh, won't quite make it that far in their career.
0: Absolutely, Jeff Luno, our guest. Here's another question from Kevin: How is Yuli's
1: hand healing? Okay, Yuli is uh, is is doing well. Um, he's going to increase his activity starting tomorrow, so we're going to start to see him out on the backfields and uh, really uh, essentially on track to uh, make it back on the original time frame, which was uh, about six weeks, and then you'll have to serve a five-game suspension after that. So really, the uh, I'm not concerned about Yuli missing too much time. It's going to provide an opportunity for somebody on the roster to get some at-bats and, and get some games in uh, when Yuli comes back. And the way our young guys have been playing, whether it's Davis or Reed or Kemp or White. uh, You know, they've all done a nice job putting themselves in a position to take those at-bats, and so it'll be fun to see who wins that job. Do you think Marvin Gonzalez is a more
0: productive player when he moves around to play different positions?
1: I I do believe that. I think he would be very good as an everyday player because he would settle in and, and figure it out. But I think his value to the team, being able to spell Jose for a day, being able to spell Bregman for a day, being able to go over to first and go to left and uh, do everything, even spell Correa, um, that has a tremendous amount of value to us as an organization. And we've seen these types of players really emerge in baseball. The Cubs had one. We have one. the, The Royals had one. And teams that have won have had these types of guys that can go play multiple positions. Good point. All
0: right, uh, what is the long-term outlook for prospect Brutus Nova? Is that the correct? Freddy
1: Nova. Fredis Nova. Yeah, you know, we're excited about him. Ozo you know, Campo, uh, one of our executives did a tremendous job aggregating a ton of talent from Latin America and Nova's one of one of several players we're excited about, but it's nice that these guys are getting some recognition on the top prospect list for our organization and uh, you know, Latin player with good instincts defensively, a good bat. Uh, Pretty much has the whole tool package, and now it's just a matter of continuing to develop that through the minor leagues. But, you know, we've got some guys that our fans haven't really heard of, like Nova, that are going to continue to impress and I think could have a chance to to help our ball club either in a trade or in person uh, in the next few years. Kobe wants to know, can you go over the new bullpen additions and where Yandel Gustave will fit in when he gets healthy? Okay, well, Gustave is still rehabbing, so we still have a ways to go. But we know Gustave has an electric arm up to 100 miles an hour and a good slider. And we've seen him do some great work last year and the year before. So his issue is really about consistency of throwing strikes and similar to Goudouin, but both those guys have electric arms. Joe Smith has a track record of getting really important outs at the end of the ball ball game for various clubs in important situations, and that's what he's going to do for us. He has a lower arm angle, so it tends to be a a real uh, weapon against right-handed hitters, but he also has enough weapons to get left-handed hitters out. So we think he's going to, whether he ends up being 7th, 8th inning, ninth inning, he's going to get some really important outs for us. And Hector Rondon, Is scheduled to pitch tomorrow. He uh, took a few turns off. Uh, He's been throwing some bullpens. He's back to health. And, you know, he's a guy that closed for the Chicago Cubs a couple years ago. So he also has that ninth inning experience and electric stuff, and we expect him to be also getting some important innings. Michael Coffin and I were talking today about the versatility
0: in the bullpen and the position players. I don't know that I've seen this on a team.
1: Can you remember anything like that? I, I haven't seen it. It's so nice because it gives A.J. so many weapons. Now, the challenge for A.J. is making sure that everybody's comfortable with their role. And one of the things that our manager does better than anybody I've ever seen is he communicates with the players about what they're going to do that week. If you walk into any day in spring training, every player can see exactly what day they're going to be playing, what position they're going to be playing, what day they're going to be pitching. And you can't really do that during the season because there's too much moving around. But I know that every night I go into the clubhouse and I meet with AJ, and first thing he does, he tells the guy who's catching tomorrow, you're catching. He goes and tells relievers, you're down tomorrow. He knows if you're the long guy tomorrow, ready to come in in the fifth inning. They all know at least the next day what their plan is, even if it's uh, not a plan every day like that. Uh, and, it'll, and it allows him to do different things. You know, Ken Giles might come in in the seventh inning instead of the ninth because that's where, you know, Trout's coming up, and that's where we need Ken Giles to get that out. So uh, that flexibility is huge for us, and it's a big part of why we won last year. What have you thought of Ken Giles this spring? I thought Ken Giles has had a really couple good outings recently here. The stuff is electric. Uh, he has got still has one of the best fastball slider combinations in the game. And, uh, you know, we're all hoping that the struggles in the postseason last year um, aren't going to carry over to this year. And from what I've seen this spring, they're not going to. I've talked to him. Um, he's got a positive mindset about everything. And, you know, quite frankly, just about every dominant closer uh, had some struggles in the postseason last year, and a lot of them were due to our offense. Uh, but, you know, I think I think it's just a, the nature of the beast when you're one of those short relievers at the end of the game in the postseason at the very end in October. You know it's hard to it's hard to keep uh, getting those outs against those prolific offenses.
0: Jeff Luno, our guest, the Astros GM, will be right back with more of AstroLine Duffy Sports Grill in a moment. Welcome back to AstroLine. are on Clematis Street. Carbach Brewing Company bringing you AstroLine, and we're glad to have you on the Astros Radio Network with General Manager Jeff Luno tonight. Set your alarms for the Astros Team Store Gold Rush event. Starting at midnight going into Monday morning, the Team Store will have 2017 championship gold merchandise available for purchase. This 24-hour event includes a photo op with the Commissioner's Trophy and a chance to purchase a limited fan world champion ring. Go to astros.com slash teamstore now. Well, of course, there's a wide array of products out there on the market, Jeff. You, you probably have collected everything that's out there so far,
1: right? <laughs> there's a lot of stuff, and, uh, you know, I can't wait for the ring ceremony once we get back to Houston. I've, I've got a sneak peek at what the rings look like. They're absolutely gorgeous. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities for fans to, you know, buy replicas and other things that are really, really going to be quite special. Anita Sagal told me that the ring will tell the story of the season. Well, first of all, it's a championship ring, and those are really, really special. I've had the opportunity to have a couple of those in my career, and they really are special. And the more – these days, you look at how these rings are designed, you can – Squeeze a lot of messages on there. So I'm sure ours will be uh, very uh, reflective of what a special season it was for our, our franchise and our city. Sounds great. Shelby Powell has submitted this question. Rogelio Armenteros looks strong.
0: Do you see him in the majors soon?
1: Absolutely. I think Rogelio's going to have a chance to come up this year. You know, we typically start with uh, 12 or 13 pitchers at the beginning of the year. And by the time the year is over, there's about 20, sometimes up to 25 pitchers that spend time on the roster. And you look at what Rogelio has done. Cuban guy that we signed a few years ago. He pitched all the way up to AAA last year. He's done a nice job in camp this year. A.J. really likes him and trusts him. So I think he's a guy that if there's an injury and we need a starter or a reliever, he's going to be at close to the top of the list as a guy that can come up.
0: Ten-year-old Brayton Terry is here. Here's his question. What was the most critical move that led to us
1: winning the World Series? I think if you asked our fans uh, – most people would say that the August 31st trade, with two seconds to go for Justin Verlander, was probably the most impactful thing that we did. Now you could argue that we already pretty much had a playoff spot secured at that point, but then you look at what Justin did in the playoffs for us. It was uh, it was it was tremendous. So, and also we just hard to measure the the second order effect of how much he lifted everybody's spirits not only in the city, but on our team and how everybody wanted to uh, go out there and, and prove to Justin that, you know, this was the right thing to do and they're just as good as he is and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that, that would be it for me. What was your favorite game in the postseason? I th- for me, uh, you know, you could. everybody talks about Game 5 of the World Series. For me, it was Game 4 of the Division Series because there was so much drama around whether the rain was going to come or they were going to start that game, and then all of a sudden it looked like maybe the Red Sox had better information than we did because they brought in Chris Sale in the middle of the game, but A.J. wasn't going to be outmanaged, so he brought in our guy, and then our guy gives up a home run, and then all of a sudden we're down in this game and everybody's having visions of what happened against Kansas City and having to go back to Houston for Game 5, and maybe we don't have all of our pitching, uh, and who knows what happens in a one-game series. And then when Alex Bragman lifted that ball, I mean, I was standing up near the Green Monster, and I heard the ball smack off of the canvas sign, and that was one of the most pleasant sounds I've ever heard in my entire life. Because at that point, I knew I, I knew we were going to win that game. Uh, and then, you know, watching Redick, that at-bat against Kimbrell, and then watching Beltran hit the double off the wall. I mean, all those things came together, and it was raining. We were out on the field in that small, packed-in Boston visiting clubhouse. It was just a a magical moment, one of those moments that I'll remember the rest of my life. The way A.J.
0: managed in the postseason, using Charlie Morton, Lance McCullers, Brad Peacock
1: to close games, did you see that coming? Well, if you remember uh, back in – 2013 and 14, we used this thing called the piggyback system in the minor leagues, Mm -hmm. and we used to do that. There would be a starter would go out there and pitch five innings, and another starter would come in and pitch the last four. And you know, Lance McCullers was one of those guys in the piggyback system, uh, and I joked with him after he polished off the uh, Yankees there with his whatever 24 straight curveballs. But (laughs) um, you know, it's not something I would have uh, anticipated in this uh, in this series, but. Because some of our bullpen guys were faltering and we had starters that were healthy and ready to go, it was a it was an incredible uh, managing move by A.J. It was a stroke of genius, and it worked out for us twice. Yeah, it was fun to watch.
0: Even though Justin Verlander's having, okay, he was having a rough
1: year, says Mets hat on this question, what prompted you to trade for him? Well, we looked at Justin's year, and and you're right in that he wasn't having his typical Justin Verlander year up until around uh, July 15th to 20th. But then as we rolled through the first trade deadline and into August, he started mowing teams down, and he went against Los Angeles Dodgers and mowed them down. He just continued to have outing after outing. His stuff looked good. And so we really felt like at that point in time, Justin Verlander was the guy – that we've always thought he he should be and would be for us. So, you know, you you look at these short-term fluctuations during the course of the season or even in a player's career, and part of the art and science of us doing player evaluation is trying to figure out, you know, who is he? Is he the guy that struggled in July, or is he the guy that dominated in August and making the appropriate bets? Without Hurricane Harvey, do you make that trade? I think we do, but it's certainly – I I don't know for sure. But there's no question that Jim and myself were both willing to make extra concessions on the players and the money in order to make that deal happen. Now, would Detroit have given us the player with one less player in their list thrown in or a little less money? I I don't know the answer to that, Uh, but I'm I'm sure glad it happened the way it did. What a script.
0: All right, this is from – At Texas Gal, are there any thoughts on closers? Martez looked good. Giles, too. Anyone else on the horizon?
1: Davinsky is going to pitch important innings at the end. Brad Peacock is going to pitch important innings. Joe Smith has experience. Rondon has experience. Martez has a tremendous arm. My sense is that Giles is going to get the bulk of the opportunities early in the season, but we've got enough options. Will Harris can pitch important late innings, so um, there's some nice choices for us, guys that are going to, and you need more than one guy. It's it's oversimplification to say you need a closer to pitch that ninth inning. You need three or four guys to get from the pitcher to the end of the game, even with the horses of Verlander and Keuchel and McCullers and giving you five, six, seven innings. Colleen Palmer wants to know, are the Astros pleased
0: to the better response and support this year? The community has learned to
1: respect and appreciate the Astros. Well, I think the community has always uh, respected the Astros, and quite frankly, uh, it was hard when we were losing a lot of games for people to get excited about coming out to the ballpark, and I completely understand that. But there's always been an underlying passion for baseball in the city of Houston among our fans. and. Uh, it, it caught on fire in 2015 when we went to the postseason unexpectedly and beat the Yankees and took Kansas City to five. And, and now we've had three straight winning seasons and two playoff appearances and one World Series championship. So our fans are as energized as ever. But Houston has amazing sports fans, whether it's basketball, football, soccer, uh, tennis, you name it. And certainly the baseball fans are right there at the front of the list.
0: Here's a question. Can Marwin please play first base for the
1: opening game? We want him on the All-Star ballot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good, that's a good uh, comment there. You know, I really think one of the things AJ and I have both been trying to politic for is there should be a utility player on the All-Star team. There's no question about it. That should be a position that's voted for it. If, if it were, I think Marwin would have run away with it last year. Uh, I'm not sure it's just opening day lineup that determines position, uh, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure Marwin gets an opportunity to go to the All-Star game this year. All
0: right, good crowd here at Duffy's tonight. We'll be back one last time with more of Astroline with Jeff Luno, presented by Carbach Brewing Company after this on the Astros Radio Network. From Duffy's in West Palm Beach, welcome back to Astroline, brought to you by the Carbach Brewing Company. Bill Brown with General Manager Jeff Luno on Astroline tonight. It's never too early to join the team. 2018 Astros Buddies memberships are available now for kids 12 and under. Buddies members receive four tickets to an Astros regular season game, a backpack, cap, socks, and exclusive opportunities throughout the year for only $25. That's a great buy. Visit Astros.com slash Buddies today to sign up. Jeff Luno joins us, uh, final segment of the program. And uh, as you indicated, uh, spring training is going to move quickly here through the final stage. I know A.J. is resting some players right now. He's going to be using relievers. In the roles in which we can expect to see them during the season. Uh, and, and I think at this point it's been a pretty healthy spring, other than the one injury to Yuli. What are you looking forward to
1: seeing from now through the end of spring training, Jeff? Well, Brownie, we still have a couple of roster decisions to make. Um, the, you know, whether we're going to carry 13 pitchers, and if so, who that 13th pitcher is going to be, what McHugh's role is going to be, what Peacock's role is going to be, if our five guys that appear poised to make the rotation all and the year and spring training healthy. Um, so that's we're, we're working through that. A.J. has a plan. We've discussed it just about every day. And then on the position player front, you know, Fisher's battling for a position. We're trying to figure out whether Marwin's going to continue to be a super utility or play somewhere every day, uh, who's going to get the at-bats while Yuli's not uh, here. And quite frankly, uh, Max Stassi is making a, a, a good run at, at being on this roster and, and uh, allowing us to carry three catchers. But if we do that, it comes at the expense of a position player or a pitcher somewhere else. So there's still some of that stuff going on. Um, we are getting ready for the season. I, you know, AJ's mapped out exactly who's going to pitch, who's going to pitch when, as it leads into opening day. Um, and our guys are going to be ready. There's no question about it. We've had an amazing spring down here in West Palm. The weather's been ama- great. The support of the community down here has been great. You know, we did a rally uh, down here in West Palm Beach a couple weeks ago, and there were a lot of fans. And now I've seen more people who aren't from Houston who are from Florida starting to wear Astros orange, and that's great to see. So it's it's been a tremendous spring. Still have two weeks to go, and I'm sure you have a, a good guest on AstroLine next week coming to follow me.
0: Uh, follow you know pretty well, A.J. <laughs>
1: there you go. We, we
0: do have a couple of A.J.'s. This one's Hinch. But uh, speaking of another A.J.,
1: Reed has looked pretty good this spring, and, yeah. and that's a Quite a pitch battle for first base, isn't it? It is, and and about competition's good. Competition brings out the best in people, and I think, you know, J D. Davis and 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 uh, A J. Reed, uh, Tony Kemp, Tyler White, they're all battling for a roster spot, and they're all playing well, and and really getting after it, and being the first guy in camp every day and last guy to leave, and saying yes, sir, and doing all the things that you'd want to do if you were going to try and make a team. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned Stassi; he
0: made a nice throw today. And I was looking on the stat sheet, and the Astros' throwing has been great on yeah. uh, caught
1: stealings this spring. It has. And we have a, a, a new catching coach, uh, uh, Beetle uh, Bailey, has always been um, our catching coach and continues to have a great impact on our catchers as they come up through the system. We have a, a player named Michael Collins. He's Australian, has a, a nice Australian accent. He's going to be helping out Brock doing our bullpen catching, but he also is a good catching coach, and obviously A.J. Uh, has a passion for that, so... You know, we're stressing the throwing a lot. Sometimes it's it's not about the strength of the arm; it's about the exchange, the footwork, uh, the, the other things, and and actually the, having the pitcher help out too. And our pitchers are oftentimes responsible for the caught stealings as well as the stolen bases because if they take too long, we're not going to get the guy, regardless of what kind of arm the guy has. Mm-hmm. Jeff, defensively, were you really pleased with the play of this club last year? I was. I think we did a nice job, and we had a, you know some gold gloves, but I think we could have had more. Um, and, and our calling card is our athleticism and our defense and our ability to, to drive the ball. And defense is a big part of that. Our pitching staff relies on infield defense. And outfield defense, and we're going to continue to make that part of our strength. And part of it's we have a young team. You know, there's no better middle infield in baseball than Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve. Alex Bregman's a shortstop playing third base. Yuli is a former third baseman playing first base. So all these guys are playing down a little bit, but it allows us to really gobble up every ball that gets hit. That play that Bregman made
0: against the Yankees, that throw to the plate, that was one of the most incredible plays I've seen. How did you see it?
1: Well, I I saw it in in reflection of the play that in the regular season, remember he tried to turn a double play instead of going home, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, that was the wrong thing to do because the runner scored and then we didn't get the double play. Uh, But I think he learned from that, and his instincts were so good on that play, and it was a perfect throw, perfect tag. and came at a perfect time because we needed that out badly. Now with Marisnik healthy again, how do you think he's looked this spring? Marisnik's had a great spring, and he's working so hard, I think as hard as anybody, to put together a swing approach that allows him to maximize his athleticism. He's always going to be a good base runner. He's always going to be a good defender. If he can raise his batting average, we saw the power start to develop last year and get a little more consistency and ability to make contact, which has a lot to do with his approach and his swing and our guys have been working with him. Hudge has been working with him and Jeff Albert, and he's making gains. We're seeing the gains, and I think I think Jay's is, Jake is poised to have a breakout year this year. Gary Pettis continues to be aggressive
0: as a third-base coach. We the saw windmill. it again today.
1: Yeah, you like that? I like the windmill. I think, uh, I think he does a tremendous job. Um, I, you know, if you don't get thrown out once in a while, you're not being aggressive enough, and so we are going to get thrown out occasionally, but – uh, but we're also going to capture a lot of extra bases and runs because Gary's going to be aggressive. So I'm happy with his approach. It's very well reasoned. He studies the opposition. He studies the arms. He knows the routes, and he knows which of our guys can do it.
0: And the base runners now are schooled in being aggressive and in getting to third base we'll say from first on a single and they're not taking anything for granted except
1: that they're going right that's right and they've got to trust their third base coach because he's going to wave them in and they're not going to have an opportunity to look around and assess the situation themselves they just have to trust and go and you know figure out a way to get across home plate before they get tagged so um, i think our coaching staff overall does a tremendous job alex cintron is going to be our first base coach this year He's got so many instincts for the baseball game, and you know a lot of the coaching happens on the, you know in the dugout and at first while he's talking to the players, keeping them focused. And our coaching staff, I think, is among the best in baseball.
0: And with some changes you mentioned, uh, Cintron, and we've got uh, Joe Spada, uh,
1: the bench coach now. You are pretty pleased with his addition to the club? Very much so. He's got tremendous experience and comes from an organization, obviously first-class organization, the Yankees. Um, but just is is very. Uh, has great communication skills with all the players, American players, Latin players, uh, any foreign players, and and really stresses the fundamentals in a way that allows them to, you know, not feel like they're being disciplined, but just understand what they did wrong and go out and do it right the next time. And you've had a Doug White in the bullpen coming up
0: through the system, Jeff Albert, the assistant hitting coach, and uh, I was talking with Tyler White. The young guys have worked with Jeff, and this is the advantage that you talked about earlier uh, with the McCullers.
1: With the piggyback system, things do move forward with what was planted in the minor leagues. You're exactly right. And it was great to be able to promote two of our own to the big league level. We lost two guys uh, to other organizations. Alonzo Powell went to San Francisco, um, and Craig Bjornson went to Boston. But we were able to replace them with internal guys that have been with us for years and have really uh, developed great coaching skills. And similar to developing players that can come up to the big leagues, you know, we're doing the same thing on the coaching side. As you look at the AL West, how do you
0: evaluate it right now? Or are you all that concerned about the other teams? Well, they're
1: all out in Arizona, so they don't know what we're doing, and we don't <laughs> right. know what they're doing. But, you know, I see the highlights of Otani here and there. Uh, we're all, obviously all uh, anxious to see how Otani does. He's a special talent. I scouted him a little bit when he was in Japan, and I know he's going to do well here. Um, Angels are going to be tough. They're, they're healthy now. They've got the best player on the planet, potentially besides Jose Altuve and Mike Trout. They've got uh, this dynamic young pitcher, uh, Shohei Otani. I think they're they're the team to beat uh, besides us. But, you know, you never count Seattle out. They've got a lot of good players, and Cano and Cruz are still in the middle of their lineup with Seeger. And and the A's, to me, are a sleeper. Now that they have a catcher, another catcher, they've got good hitters, good young hitters, uh, I think the A's are, are going to be a team that's going to take some people by surprise. The
0: dynamic start last year for the Astros uh, gave you freedom, you know, to just, just let this club play, not to have to worry about trying to add to it, anything like that. How
1: important is it to have a good start? This year? It's huge. It's so important. You look at the difference between our 2015 season and our 2016 season. We essentially had the same talent on the field. 2015, we get off to a great start and, you know, slow down a little bit through the summer but are able to make the playoffs. 2016, we get off to a horrific start, battled back, got all the way back into contention but ran out of gas at the end. So that's, it's I, you know, I know it's a, a truism, but these games in April matter as much as the ones in September. And the more wins you can bank in April, it gives you so much flexibility in terms of making moves, resting players, doing other things you need to do to prepare for a postseason. The New York Yankees. How do you regard them right now, Jeff? They're a scary team. They were a scary team last year. We obviously didn't have a lot of success those three games in New York, and credit to their fans and their organization. They're young. They're powerful. They added a great player in Giancarlo Stanton, And uh, but you know what? We took them down last year, and we'll be ready for them this year. This team has so much confidence in these
0: players. Uh, I think the fans have found it easy to attach themselves to this team because uh, they do so many things well. They're, they're good in the public, but It's just the
1: passion that they have and the joy that they're showing for playing the game. So true, and it's why we're picking up fans all across the country and all across the world, because people love to see how Bregman and Correa and Altuve and and Yuli and Marwin and Springer and all these guys, they like each other. They play with energy. They play with such spirit, and it's fun to watch, and they're young and, and exciting and good. And really, we're creating Astros fans every time people turn on the TV or listen to the radio, and it's it's great. We see plenty here
0: tonight. Thank you for coming tonight, folks. Thanks to Jeff Luno, Astros General Manager, our guest. We thank everybody involved, including uh, Matt Bolts right here, Bob Elliott back at the station. Thank you for listening. And our next show will be next Wednesday, Todd Callis and A.J. Hinch in our next-to-last Astro Live. Bill Brown saying so long from West Palm Beach. Have a good night, everybody. Listening to Sports Talk 790 Astroline, the Astros' official off-season show, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astroline, hear your world champion Houston Astros go for the repeat on Sports Talk 790, home of the strolls.